Loving Father, please help us to please you in the way that we listen to your word now. Please open us up and make us faithful and obedient. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, with the warmer weather and the school holidays and last weekend being the long weekend, um, it's camping season for those who are campers, or it has been. Um, even we have had a, a tent set up in our backyard uh, with various kids sleeping out there from time to time for various um, proportions of the night before coming back in. Um, personally, I don't see why you would bother uh, sleeping out there in a tent when 20 metres away there is your bed, but um, that's just me. My experience of camping hasn't always been completely positive. Uh, I recall one fateful trip to Fraser Island with my in-laws Uh, on which we hired a four-wheel drive to take over to the island, but there were too many of us to fit much equipment in other than people, Uh, and we only hired the one four-wheel drive. Being novice campers, we thought, oh, well, we can do without that, and we can do without that, and we can do without that. Uh, But it ended up being a fairly uncomfortable five nights um, without any equipment, not even chairs to sit on, so we just sat around on the dirt for about five days. Uh, and went for a drive to entertain ourselves. So when someone suggested that maybe we could catch an earlier ferry off the island, uh, there was an overwhelming vote of, yes, let's get out of here. And my conclusion after that was that with camping, equipment is the key. If you can camp comfortably with the right equipment, then you're probably happy, but that's never been my experience. Um, it's important to have the right equipment. There's nothing more frustrating than being, having a job to do and being under-equipped for it. You need the right tool for the job. Um, if you think of the movies you've seen in which somebody joins the army and one of the things they're given to do first in order to sort of firm up their discipline uh, is you have to clean out the toilet block. And what's the equipment they're given to do it? The, to- the toothbrush. You, you've all seen movies like that, haven't you? Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, One of the cruelest things you can do to a person is give them a job to do and not give them the equipment to do it because it's an exercise in frustration. Well, at times it might feel, the Christian life might feel a little bit like that for us. Um, Maybe sometimes we feel like it's beyond us. We might feel that we just don't have the resources or the equipment to do what God has set for us to do. It's a 1,000 kilometre race around Mount Panorama and you've been given a tricycle. Uh, Or you've got to to climb Mount Everest and all you have to wear is a T-shirt, shorts and thongs. The Christian life is hard and it can feel like a long slog and we are called to do difficult things at times because we're Christians and perhaps it feels like we just don't have the right stuff to, to, to do that job, neither the resources nor the equipment. Well, the letter of Hebrews was written to people who had been Christians for a while. Uh, They'd started strong. They started out suffering for their faith willingly. They'd stuck together. They'd held the faith. But now they were tired. And the path of least resistance was looking more and more attractive to these people to ease the burden by compromising their faith uh, and compromising their identity as Christians and maybe even just close their eyes for a while and drift away on the tide, away from Christ. This letter uh, is written to urge them to not do that, to hold on to the faith, to run with perseverance the race marked out for them, as the author says, uh, to strengthen their feeble arms and their weak knees for the task that God has given them. But where were they supposed to find the resources to do that, to keep going? 
And we might feel the same way. Where, where are we supposed to find the resources to live a Christian life? I mean, is it just normal to, to limp along and fail time after time and maybe not even make it to the end for a Christian person? Well, at the end of the letter, uh, just before the final greetings, we have this, uh, um, what's called a benediction and a doxology, that is a blessing of these people and a glorifying of God. Um, and it shows that God in his glory equips his people with the resources we need. It shows that God is able to equip you. And it begins with the words, Now may the God of peace, I'm in verse 20 of Hebrews 13 here, Now may the God of peace, uh, he is the God of peace. The world is a world of conflict, we know that. Uh, The news is full of conflict. You go for a drive and there's conflict on the road. You walk through the city, there's conflict around you. Uh, We know that the Christian life is full of conflict. We face hostility as Christians sometimes and even there's conflict within the church. So it's good to know that the God who promises to look after us is the God of peace. And this is the quality of the salvation that God is able to give his people. That's his goal and our destiny. Peace. He's the God of peace. How is he going to get us there? Well, the first thing in verse 20 is what we needed for God to do for us in order to get us there. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. What did we need God to do for us? Well, first he brought up the great shepherd of the sheep from the dead. Um, so some pretty significant leaders in the Old Testament who were known as shepherds. There's Moses. We read about him just there in Isaiah 63 with God bringing his people through the desert, Moses leading them. Uh, there's King David as well, a shepherd of God's sheep. Both of them very impressive shepherds. But now the writer of Hebrews tells us God has brought up that great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord uh, suggests Christ's uh, divinity, Christ means he's the Messiah, he's the Saviour and the King. And this is what God has done for us. He's raised our shepherd from the dead to lead his sheep also on that journey out of death to eternal life. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So this is how Jesus leads his sheep from death to eternal life, by his voice. They know my voice. Uh, This is why it's so important for us in the Christian life to be in God's word, uh, which is how a Christian is guided by God's spirit. Our shepherd is leading us, he's feeding us, he's guiding us, he's protecting us by his word and his spirit together. And so if you want to do yourself a favour as a Christian, you will stay close to your shepherd as close as you can and you'll keep listening and you won't stray. And the basis on which God has raised our shepherd up is the second thing that we needed from him. He's raised Jesus by the blood of the eternal covenant, according to this verse, meaning that it was on the basis of Jesus' sacrificial death that God raised him. The cross qualified Jesus to be as the shepherd of God's people. As Jesus said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and it's because he laid down his life that God raised him up to be our shepherd And we needed God to provide this sacrifice of atonement for our sins. There's no way we can atone for our own sins. And as it says here, he did that as part of the eternal covenant. 
So God made a binding covenant with his people to look after them uh, and his faithfulness to his people is what led God to deal with our sins at such great cost. And the impact of that cross is eternal. It's the eternal covenant. Uh, So we have this great shepherd who's bound himself to us and given his life for us uh, and who's now looking after us. As you probably know, shepherds in the ancient world uh, were not like shepherds are today or sheep farmers are today. They didn't have flocks with thousands of sheep and they didn't ride around on motorbikes sort of herding them everywhere with their sheep dogs barking and all the rest of it. Shepherding was a personal kind of care in the, uh, in the ancient world. They were always with their sheep. They slept out in the fields at night with their sheep. They led the sheep by walking along and calling to the sheep with their voice and the sheep would follow their voice. They would lead them to where they knew there would be pasture or where they knew there would be water. There wasn't like paddocks. Uh, they just led them around the countryside and they protected their sheep by fighting off the predators with their stick or whatever. Uh, And we read here that God has given us the great shepherd in Jesus who leads us, protects us and provides for us. In other words, verse 20 is telling us that God has set up just the right framework to give us eternal life so that we can be saved and be his people and be at peace with him and everything. All the framework has been set up. There's no piece of equipment missing for the Christian We have his covenant, we have his blood, we have his resurrection, we have our great shepherd who is the Lord. Um, I was telling people last week uh, that on my recent um, long service leave I had a solo trip to Tasmania and uh, I stayed in a place at the southernmost point of Tasmania. You can't drive any further south. Uh, The end of the world, sort of. Uh, which is a little bit of a hike to get to, especially at night, uh, because it's a dirt road through the forest. And uh, as I was telling the story last week, I was trying to make it as dramatic and wild-sounding as possible. But the fact is that um, the same people who let me use their house down there um, also let me use a near-new four-wheel drive, which was waiting for me at the airport to drive in with a bull bar and driving driving lights and um, GPS. And once I got to the house, it had solar power, it had generator power, it had huge water tanks, it had big gas bottles, so lots of hot water, had good phone reception, it had um, NBN internet, uh, it had a TV, it had fireplace with mounds of firewood outside waiting for me to burn and a lovely warm sunroom to sit in. So I really did lack for nothing. I was fully equipped for every step of the way and every need was completely provided for. I was completely set up for life in this place. We're reminded in verse 20 that everything we needed God to do for us, he has done. Everything we needed him to provide for us, he has provided. It's all set up for our eternal life. So the equipment is all there, but there is more than that. In verse 21, we're reminded that we can also rely on him to help us to use that equipment what we needed God to do in us, what we need God to do in us. So uh, as, as it goes, it says, Now may God equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. The people to whom this letter was first addressed were Christians who were sort of failing internally a little bit. Uh, this is a prayer to a God who can supply what is needed 
and who can mend what is broken in his people. It's a prayer for equipping and resourcing so that God's people won't only limp over the line, they will power to the finish line. That's what this prayer is for. So firstly, it is for everything good for doing his will. You can probably think of lots of things that would be good for God to give you. Um, There are lots of good things out there that we might like to receive. But what makes a thing good in this context is that it leads to the doing of God's will. God is able to give us everything good for the doing of his will. It talked about God's will back in chapter 10. When Jesus came into the world, he said to God, Here I am, I've come to do your will. And what was he talking about? He was talking about making the ultimate sacrifice for sin, uh, the ultimate obedience to God, doing God's will. So this prayer is for everything good in the sense that it enables us to live obediently for God. God is able to give us what we need to do that. That might include the strength of resolve that you need to obey God at some point or the wisdom you need to discern what God wants you to do or the Christian advice and encouragement that you might need from others around you in order to to do God's will or the right word from the Bible at the right time that you need and certainly the work of the Holy Spirit to lead and empower us to, to be obedient to God. Everything good for doing his will, God is able to give to us, everything needed to obey him. Or it's put in another way here, uh, working in us what is pleasing to him. So this is going further than just the equipment that we need. It's actually making something happen inside us, working in us, moving our minds and our wills and our hearts through the influence of his word and his spirit. And it's a very wonderful thing when you think about it that when God works in us, we are actually able to please God. Um, I think sometimes... We, we're quite down on ourselves and what we're able to do and we think, well, it's like we can never do anything that's going to make God happy because he's just frowning down on us and we know that we're sinful and he knows that we're sinful. Uh, but we shouldn't ever think that God could never be pleased with anything that we do. Even though nothing we do is going to be perfectly motivated or perfectly executed, when God works in us, we are able to please him. Sometimes we'll get it right. It's like with uh, my children. I mean, they, they don't usually, they're not usually perfectly motivated or they don't normally execute things perfectly. Um, but when they do do the job they've been given to do without being hounded a million times to do it, or when they do take some initiative to be helpful at some point, or even when they just express some sort of love for me as their parent, I'm pleased by that. It's very pleasing. It's never perfect, but it's pleasing to me. And it should encourage us similarly, God, we can please God by our efforts. Uh, we are able to please him because he helps us to do so. And we need God to be working in us like this because it is hard to live for God and it's hard to do what's right as a Christian. Holiness is difficult to live out. Loving other people is hard. Controlling ourselves is difficult. Just working out what we're meant to do is hard enough, let alone actually doing it. But God hasn't just set up the equipment for us, he also helps us to use it by working in us, as this prayer goes. And the God who is that loving and that concerned for people like us is a God worth glorifying. So as it says here, um, 
uh, to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. He'll be glorified for ever and ever for the work that he's done for us and the work that he is now doing in us. So this is the same point that we've covered in the doxologies in the last couple of weeks. He is able to establish us, he is able to keep us and guard us and now he is able to equip us. He saves, he grows, he preserves a people to be close to him forever and that is what's going to bring him glory forever and ever. So is the Christian life too hard? Is it up to us to perform this task that we're just hopelessly under-resourced to perform? Uh, Is the best that we can expect is just to limp along and if we're lucky fall over the finish line in the end? No, because God has set it up for us and he is working in us. And I think that if there's a challenge here, uh, the challenge would be this. I mean, I hope there's a lot of encouragement there for you. But if there's a challenge, it's this. If he equips us to do his will and if he works in us to produce what is pleasing to him, then that is what we should be trying to do. We should be trying to do his will and trying to please him. He gives us the right stuff so that we can actually do the right job. Um, You know that if you use a tool to do the wrong thing it wasn't designed for, then you're in a bit of trouble. If God gives you a hammer, it's going to be frustrating if you try to use it to turn a screw. Um, If God gives you an iPad, then... It's not meant to be used as a chopping board. You know, you use the the equipment for the right job. The help that God gives us is to please him and to do his will. We can't expect to use that equipment for other things. Some Christians seem to think that uh, God has saved them so that they can live a worry-free life doing whatever they want now. No, he equips us not to please ourselves but to please him. That's what his empowering is for. And we will be frustrated unless we learn to cooperate with that purpose and make it our aim to please him and to do his will. So the challenge here for you and me is to wake up every morning ready to follow the shepherd and ready to want to please him. As Paul said, we make it our aim to please him. Going into, into a working day, how can I please him today? Coming home from work to the, to the household, how can I please him here? Uh, When you go to a barbecue with friends, the aim at the front of your mind, how can I please God at this barbecue? Watching your kids or your grandkids play sport, how can I please God here? Uh, You're upset with somebody over something, how can I please God? Somebody is upset with you for, for something that you've done, how can I please God? You're on top of the world, how can I please him? You're down in the dumps, how can I please him? That's the question. That should be our greatest desire and aim. That is what he is equipping us for. And God can help us with that too because he doesn't just help us to do the right thing, he also helps us to want to do the right thing. Uh, Philippians 2, it says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So he doesn't just help us with the acting, he also helps us with the willing, the wanting, He will help us to want what he wants for us. So a good prayer for us to pray every day is, God, help me to please you today. Help me to want what you want. Show me your will and help me to do it. Because he's not asking the impossible. We have the equipment and we have the help to use it as well from God. So let's pray that uh, God does put this uh, into action in our lives and pray this prayer for ourselves now. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that through the blood of the eternal covenant you've brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep. We pray that you would equip us with everything good so that we may do your will and that you would work in us what is pleasing to you and ultimately that that might bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.